Today on Insider Investing, I'm hosting Ayush Jaiswal, CEO and founder of Pesto Tech, which is on a mission to empower the developer community. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation: his personal journey as a young founder, the story of Pesto, what the tech crash means for developers, and much more. Let's listen in. Hey Ayush, welcome to Insider Investing. You have the distinction of being the youngest guest we have had so far. Uh so we are very excited for this conversation. How are you doing? Thank you for surviving the apocalypse and thanks thanks for inviting me here. Uh, Ayush, you know one of the uh, most interesting things when you were like going over background is that you know a lot of people uh, when they are unhappy with being forced to attend college, mm-hmm. uh they rebel in different ways etc. You instead started up <laughs> uh when somebody told you that you need to maintain 75% attendance uh and in through the journey of starting up you know i think as as a young as a young uh, person uh you obviously faced a lot of initial failure when you had your initial set of startups and then to have the motivation of yet again doing something uh, afresh how do you muster that kind of energy yeah. and motivation to do yeah, it i i think like uh, you know these things look uh, really good looking backwards uh but if i really you know when i'm talking to folks who are in similar situation uh i just ask them what are the choices you have right yeah. so you know right now we think about choices and what's motivating me what's doing this and that and you know we can look at it from that perspective uh but at that time it was basically you know do or die like you know <laughs> i i went to college and you know that there was like a path for me um i said like this is not the path i want to take so I basically have one path left, right? So I'm either gonna gonna do something, or or you know, uh, you know, it, it's not like you have a choice. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. So you're sort of reacting to the situation as it yeah. goes uh, at that point of time. But how how are you feeling at that point? Like you're you're quit college, you tried to start up. Some of the initial things didn't work out. Uh, uh, was there a sense of like? distress at a point yeah. where you thought that maybe i should go back to studying again no 100% massive i think you you always uh, question yourself right because i think uh, 99% of people are going to tell you that uh, this is the wrong decision right like every single person i talked to said no uh, this is not the right path and you are probably you know uh, being too early in making those decisions so on and so forth and then i met one person who basically said that it looks like you want some answer from me right and because you know i think you want that answer from me that is the right answer for you because that's what you want to do right that's what will make you happy and and take your chance um and and i basically realized that okay i was really looking for that one person to say yes that means for me a uh, decision was to really jump into it because i think i was um, i was very impatient at that point and i i've always been a builder so i always liked building things and i just couldn't uh, digest this fact that for 4 years i'm going to learn in a very slow manner and do random things and <laughs> things of that nature so that really made me uncomfortable so i think uh, it was like a pretty straightforward decision for me uh, the curriculum didn't make sense for for me at least uh, in the direction i wanted to move and i thought let me let me try this out and you know go on this journey and yeah it was totally very tough i think um, uh, yeah I, i sometimes like prefer not to go back to mem- to those memories it's quite depressing uh, not as fancy looking looking backward it, it all like looks nice and 
you talk about your struggle stories in which like you know you overcome them but there are a lot of people who don't overcome them and and uh, you know face a hard time so yeah yeah no absolutely i think uh, in hindsight a lot of this gets yeah. gilded right it becomes romanticized absolutely. that uh, that struggle yeah. etc and uh, you know the success rates are absolutely. very low uh, yeah. as we know so i think uh, it's about what you want to put yourself through uh, and do you even want to go through that uh, uh and for a lot of people it probably doesn't work out you know one of the most interesting things about pesto for me uh, uh is that somebody as young as you uh, being able to access the set of angels that you did right uh, uh in our, in my experience uh, starting up deserve uh you know we had the privilege of knowing these guys for a very long time i was in wealth management for the last 16 17 years it was very easy to access some of these uh whereas for you probably it was not as uh, direct and simple yeah. right you had to figure out or maybe serendipity yeah. happened so so what uh, exactly went down and how did you uh, manage to sort of get these marquee names on your cap table i, I think like uh, over the years i've i've always uh, believed in things which compound right like everything right from like the way we are building pesto mm-hmm. what we want to do in pesto and uh, also in my personal life i think i've always done things uh, from a very very long term perspective and I uh, wanted to do things which compound so i think like very early in mm-hmm. my life i i got attracted to this community called startup grind and um, and the whole philosophy i've i've learned a ton from derek who who you know was the founder of startup grind now he's building another company called um bevy but uh, he had been a great mentor and and the whole philosophy mm-hmm. was always give first right figure out how you can add value to different people and i think uh, mm-hmm. i always had that mindset that uh, i just want to be giving more and more right like and i would work like 15 18 hours a day mm-hmm. uh, consistently over the years focused totally on giving right how can i add value to mm-hmm. to more and more people and and constantly look for you know more opportunities to do so and and i think uh, after doing it for 3 to 5 years uh, you know it just all compounded right like and and if you really think about it right um the startup community is is a very very small community so if you've been around for 4 5 years and 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 you're trying to like yeah. you know legitimate things trying to add value trying to help people or you know sort of do whatever you are doing i, I think uh, it it compounds really quickly more quickly than than you think i uh, that's an interesting yeah. insight you know actually uh, a, a lot of folks probably don't realize enough the value of compounding uh, it applies in everything that we do in life in relationships yeah. in work uh, and definitely when it comes to investing also uh and you know this whole uh, early journey i think uh, that you've been through is really a testimony to that because from outside in it would seem that oh ayush started up and he got these set of uh, early angels and then he raised from matrix it seemed like you know a set of like things that just fell into uh, place at the right time but it probably wasn't as simple and direct you know and many years of work uh, before that how how did the andrew conversation happen uh, how did you guys end up meeting deciding to collaborate yeah. he was uh, uh, heading tech for gary uh, how did that how did that change uh, come so up so i think like random again serendipity i think uh, i was just like working in a co-working space uh, randomly and i meet this random guy uh, we become friends and uh, you know i i took him to varanasi and uh, you know we decided to collaborate on something so it was a completely random thing uh, but again it all comes down to serendipity right like uh, you miss 100% of opportunities you don't take so i think uh, the whole you know 
thing which I was mm-hmm. just talking about, constantly looking for ways to add value and things of that nature, um, just like opens up a lot of uh, you yep. know, sort of ways for you to collaborate. So yeah, it was interesting. I think, uh, and you like moved yeah. on from Besto, uh, I think a year and a half back. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it, it was like yeah. a really amazing journey to kind of like, you know, be on within early days for sure. You know, but uh, so much of this uh, being in the right place at the right time uh, is 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 de- by design, right? In many ways, like, and you don't know when that right place, right time moment will happen. Uh, and sometimes just showing up for things, uh, I think, uh, is, is very, very important. Like, especially, you know, from the place I come from in wealth management, right? Uh, how yeah. do you build relationships with people? Uh, you just have to every day show up sometimes get, you know, turned around from their office and nobody will open the door and those kind of things happen. But in, in just consistently keeping doing that, I think, uh, is, is very, very interesting. Uh, uh, just switching gears a little bit now into Pesto, uh, Ayush and, uh, uh, you know, you were champions of remote work even before it was hot during COVID, right? Uh, in, in how, how did you sort of come to the insight that, organizations or corporations are willing to let uh, high quality talent work from anywhere because it was not again as clear to everybody as it is now. Uh, How did that uh, talk us through the journey of PEST and how did, how did that come about? So I think like it was, you know, quite simple. I basically met people who were, who were making 200, $250 an hour. Right. And I was like, that's what people make in a month. (laughs) Uh, sometimes like, you know, on yeah. average, uh, and, and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, so I, once I went to SF, right. I took like a one way flight. Um, this was for a, a startup grind conference, um, in February global conference. And, and, uh, there I, I was, you know, looking to make money, right. Like I'm a young guy who is pretty bankrupt and, uh, trying to hustle. Right. So you would, you know, of course, look for consulting opportunities. And I had been like a developer in early days, right? Right. So I would really look at those opportunities and find really good opportunities in SF, found people who were making just so much more. And um, in that conference itself, uh, this is, I guess, like Startup Grind Conference, Global Conference of 2016 or 17, I guess. Um, I attended this. It it was more like a lecture Mm -hmm. than a a, a session uh, by Balaji Srinivasan and He's also like one of our uh, angels, Um, but uh, I met him. He was founder of earn.com at that time. And the lecture was based on how do you build a great culture in a remote team? So I was like, what the hell is a remote team? Like, you know, forget about Mm. culture. How do you function remotely? Right. Um, Like, is that like a company without a building? That's, that's funny. Right. So I went on to attend that lecture and, and uh, Balaji is brilliant. Like, like, you know, like he's phenomenal in, in, in the way he kind of like, uh, you know, shares his thoughts and stuff like that. And, and that session really got me. Like it was an hour session and I sort of caught up with him, you know, sort of talked more about like how things work at Earn and things of that nature, whatever I could gather. And um, I asked him a bunch of other companies, which he knows are working remotely. Right. And he gave me like a few names and, I basically, so that was the starting point, right? That I saw that, okay, a remote work is a thing. There's this company which is working remotely, which is very large. And and let me dig deeper into it. Um, and what I got most excited about was I was constantly thinking about an internship. Can I get an internship? 
uh, in which i you know make like whatever good, good amount of money <laughs> but uh, once i go back to india can i continue doing that right, right? um so i found that there were other companies like gitlab like zapier like um balsamic like doist all these companies have been working remotely mm-hmm. since last 10 12 years right so clearly remote work is not happening in 2020 right it happened a while back and all these companies right. were enjoying yeah. the benefits they could get access to top talent much competitive prices the prices were not inflated mm-hmm. because of demand supply mismatch and and things of that nature right and i basically mm-hmm. decided that on my trip i'm just going to interview a lot of uh, founders um, or employees at those companies and i started pinging all their employees vps etc uh trying to understand more about remote work how did they function what did they do you know how are their companies organized and and things of that nature right mm-hmm. and after doing like 25 30 interviews of all these people uh i realized that every company which was working remote knew what they were talking about right they were just so well organized right so much better organized than than the other companies that i had met and um you know i basically built my conviction in remote work at that point after doing that research and i was like remote work is the future uh, of course like i did not expect it to happen in 20 2020 or 2021 uh, i was prepared for remote work to take another 10 years to you know get into the mainstream companies um but yeah i think i i had yeah. like con- my conviction that okay remote work is going to happen i'm going to exist in that market and my opportunity will will come right so that's what really got me into remote work but but are you telling tell me this i think very interesting point that you made and especially the the topic of balaji's session right how do you manage culture in a remote work company yeah. uh, we get the fact that one that you get access to better talent because uh, you can access talent from anywhere i get the fact that it is more cost effective uh, even in terms of like getting the right talent from uh, maybe a, another place where the cost economics are different but also the fact that you don't have all these overheads yeah. which we need to do uh, but how what's your advice to your clients or companies that uh, are doing this for the mm-hmm. first time and what are the cultural shifts that they need to make uh, when it comes to dealing with uh, remote work because at the end of the day every engineer is also Absolutely. a human being right uh, they also i'm yeah. i'm assuming at some point crave interaction right they crave human interaction how do you solve for that therefore for the engineer I mean, and for the company because the cost in economics are very yeah, fair and apparent absolutely i mean i'm not sure how many engineers crave as much interaction i think like they do crave interaction but maybe not not as much as uh, as others like as business people like we we thrive on interactions like you know i i love meeting people yeah, i right. love building relationships right. right um but developers would be like you know i i love meeting you like once a week maybe <laughs> but but uh, give me more clarity about my, what my job <laughs> is and uh, and and i'll get things done right like and and i like working in my in my zone and i'm not saying like engineers are not extroverts there are some of those uh, as well but uh, you know like i i feel like um, if you're organized um, it's it's like a trade off right like uh, there will always be people who would love going to offices um, and we have also seen that pattern there are a lot of people who who like doing that but there are others who basically tend to stay close yeah. to their families like right? think about people who had to immigrate from 
uh, India, Africa, uh, or or Europe uh, to US just just to you know do their job and stay away from their families, stay away from their home and in all yeah. of that, right? Um, so I think these are trade-offs, right? Like if you basically uh, can, you know, sort of learn how to work remote, learn asynchronous communication, documentation, and things of that nature, and how to stay organized, you know, that's the most important thing in any remote company. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, you get the other benefits, mm -hmm. which are which are also equally important. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a trade-off. And as long as culture is concerned, I think, there's like one of the most important things is clarity. Like every single person having clarity about what they need to do to, you know, uh, work every single day and how does that roll into the org's objectives? I think, I think that is, I would say, like single most important thing in in any in, in any remote team, right? So once people have that, then they can like you know, push for uh, building relationships, doing offsites. Uh, you know, I think. Couple of offsites a year is like incredibly important in teams which are remote. Um, once at least, <laughs> you know that yeah. people get to know each other at a personal level. But uh, nice. yeah, I think those are important things. No, that's that's interesting. And you know, uh, you know, one of the things that we have also, to be honest, been wrestling with because a part of our team, uh, especially product design. Uh, some of the marketing, some of those folks prefer to come into work because they want to collaborate, engage, yeah. whiteboard, all of yeah. that stuff. And then there is uh, the engineering and design teams which prefer to sort of work remotely yeah. because uh, they want to be in their own zone yeah. and be able to deliver high quality work without distraction, yeah. right? Uh, and obviously I'm generalizing because there are exceptions. There are folks who, even within those teams who like to hang out with people and then they prefer to come yeah. in. Uh, I think that the challenge for us, and maybe I can get some free advice on this call, on yeah. this uh, conversation is that how do we uh, manage this hybrid nature of things, right? Because yeah. it's no longer remote or yeah. work from office. Absolutely. It's a sort of sense of hybrid yeah. where you enable everything to yeah. coexist. Right? Absolutely. And I think like, uh, so here's what I would say, like what people really get confused with, right? Um, so when we say remote work, uh, we are actually, uh, you know, thinking about three different things here, right? So one is remote work in which you can basically work from anywhere, right? Like if you want to catch up, if, if there is a team in Delhi or Mumbai, you guys can like, you know, catch up and, and work from office like a couple of days a week or uh, work from a cafe or, you know, get together every once in a while and things of that nature, right? Um, the second one is work from home, right? Work from home is a yeah. totally different thing. These are people who just prefer to work from their home. And, and I think I've seen a lot of developers who adopt that and, and prefer that, um, having a workstation set up at home and just like, you know, working mm -hmm. from there permanently, right? The third one, which people very often yeah. mix with uh, remote work or work from home is work from pandemic. Work from pandemic is not remote work, right? Working yeah. from your home, not having the ability yeah. to meet people, to go out, to uh, co-work with your colleagues and things of that nature, uh, that just is not going to scale because, you know, forget about work. Uh, that's just not going to scale because it's just not good for your mental health, right? Uh, so you, you obviously are not going to enjoy that. So I think uh, these three things people tend to mix. And, and I think uh, uh, if you just look at it from freedom perspective, right? Like one of Pesto's mission is to give people freedom of space, right? And uh, when we say freedom of space, we don't mean that we want you to work from your home, mm -hmm. right? 
freedom of space basically means that you can work from anywhere right and of course yeah. like the whole narrative of working from beaches is a scam right like nobody's working from beaches if you're working from you know goa you're not working <laughs> like stop lying to yourself um, uh, unless of course you have a whole setup in goa but uh, yeah i think uh, yeah having like freedom of space is so different from the rest of things yeah no absolutely and i think that's a good uh, way of articulating it you call it freedom of space as opposed to where like whether it's remote work or work from office the fact that you should be able to work from wherever yeah. you choose to and wherever you're productive from like i think uh, uh, that's very very important uh, you know uh, ayush one of the most interesting things about the pesto model was the fact that you were very different from the rest of the edtech uh, world in in the way you monetized right the fact that you chose to take a percentage of compensation um and it's in a in a in a in a sense it's backing yourself or the kind of value Still. that pesto is delivering uh because you are saying that uh, i'm saying you, you believe that the value that you've added will compensate the engineer but also yourself how did that economic model come about and uh, it's it's very very yeah, rare so so honestly i would say it's not rare at all right so i i'll give you some examples right um so i i kind of like set out on this uh, on this mission with like very simple perspective that how do we bring very very high quality education to our developers and uh, at the same time help them get freedom of space right mm-hmm. um so i think from that perspective if if you really think about it how do you bring that change in education right that change will only come when i as an education mm-hmm. institution am incentivized right when students succeed and not just me like not just the company i promise you every single person throughout the company right right from our sales guys to our program pe- people to our mentors everybody is incentivized to make sure that uh, our developers end up mm. um you know incredibly successful and and not just immediately after the program but mm-hmm. from a longer term perspective right so we have never said pesto is a 3 or a 6 months program right even though mm-hmm. we have a couple of programs which are for 6 months we always say that this is a 6 months onboarding to a lifelong community where everybody is cheerleading for you right because we have mm-hmm. vested interests right so i think uh, that was the simple thought process and in the in the beginning we said that hey look we are going to do this for free for you right we won't charge you anything <laughs> right that is the amount of confidence we mm-hmm. have that we will really mm-hmm. make this work and we started teaching developers for free um and once people really got jobs then then we monetized right and slowly we are going to move to a model in which we basically start monetizing from companies right because we have this confidence that our developers are so good any company would want to pay for it right so if you really look at it from that perspective mm-hmm. um i think it really works out and i also feel that in order to have the ability to provide high quality education uh it's just you know like harder to scale just the education bit of it right like if you're running an ad tech company and you're making money only from the fee it's hard to bring that quality of education because you know imagine like you're paying colleges much more <laughs> and you're not getting any roi from there and and yeah. when people think yeah. of ad tech they are like oh 1.5 lakhs 2 lakhs is so expensive right but what did you pay your college you paid like 10 15 lakhs yeah. to your college without getting any roi right so i think uh, people are little you know sort of not yeah. friendly enough towards paying uh, ethic firms and understandably so because it's something new 
So I think that's why it was extremely important to monetize the demand side um, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're just creating value and, and everybody would want mm-hmm. to, you know, pay for that. No, that's, uh, that's amazing, uh, Ayush. But if you uh, think about the education systems of the future, uh, do you think that a lot of high quality colleges can also move to that? Because one of the things that, you know, colleges are monetizing is essentially the brand. Yes. Uh, they're placing that brand on your yeah. CV in a sense being re- uh, rewarded yeah. for that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and surprisingly and sadly, so they are not even investing in brand yeah. anymore, right? Forget the quality of delivery, yeah. but there's not enough investment in brand. So it's, uh, it's, you know, that it's declining uh, in Absolutely. many ways. Do you think that uh, there is a time now for uh, colleges or educational institutions to do this uh, sort of a revenue yeah. share thing? Uh, and if so, are you, are you already I mean, seeing it? Of course, like, so I think like uh, when I was doing some research about income sharing agreements, I basically realized that Yale University, for example, tried doing this like, you know, decades back, like I think uh, back in 1980s or something like that, right? And they have been doing like running some programs, right? Um, I still don't believe that educational institutions will be able to innovate as quickly um, because by design, they're not incentivized to do so, right? I'll, I'll explain how. Mm-hmm. Um, all these, you know, at tech, uh, not, not at tech, uh, but all these large colleges, uh, have a brand associated with them. Their capacity is very low, right? Uh, they are expensive. Like if you graduate from, and this is actually one of the worst things. Actually, I spent some time, um, in, in Silicon Valley, uh, last year. Right. And, and I was living in the, in this house, which had like a bunch of Stanford grads. Right. And, and they're all like 23, 24 year olds. And, and I realized that. When they graduate from Stanford, they're graduating with a two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar debt, right? Imagine that at the time when you yeah. should be taking most risk in your life, you have like two to three hundred k debt to start with. That's terrible, yeah. right? For you to like uh, have that debt. Not saying that you know, like it's it's not worth it. Of course, like you get value because the brand is there, a lot of network effects and and things of that nature. And if you have money, please spend it. Like, you know, uh, nothing against them. But but I am um, only yeah. trying to say that um, a Stanford will always have capacity uh, for so many people because buildings don't scale. And they will always have a selection bias uh, mm-hmm. because of which the people which they have are mm-hmm. going to be analytically better, right? Because there's clear, you know, sort of um, selection bias there at the beginning. So I think... Uh, they will continue to exist for some time, but I think there's this big white space in between in which, you know, there were a bunch of other institutes mm-hmm. which did not have a brand uh, and they were just like largely giving you a degree. And and I think like those degrees will become meaningless uh, much sooner than we, than we expect. And they won't be able to innovate as quickly um, because of one simple reason that their educators are, you know, people from, academics and they're not people from the industry and i think you know uh it's, it's just really hard to stay up to date in tech um if you have people teaching who are not from the industry right and also because buildings don't scale of course <laughs> it's it's just really hard and obviously also this, the, the talent issue right the same the same challenge there that the best quality teaching yeah. talent is not concentrated in one yeah. location so i think the distribution of talent on that side potentially will also enable uh, uh, ed tech. And, you know, for me, like as a father of uh, two kids, uh, moving away from the brand construct 
to more value construct i think that is a transition that even parents have to make uh, uh because it's and it's not easy it's not intuitive right the the first question like somebody asks you when you say that you have two kids they'll ask you which yeah. school do they go to and that's almost like uh, out which brand yeah. should they associate yeah. your kids Absolutely. with right uh, i think that require <laughs> a bit of a, that will require a bit of a change till the time till the time folks like you guys and we can say that no yeah. my uh, child doesn't go to college yeah. they study on pesto so i think uh, there yeah. there is there is so, that distance i mean uh, there are going to be uh, two things here right like one will be that uh, you're going to i mean uh, before i get into that i feel like the whole uh, chota beam education is going to still exist uh, you know like uh, we will have a lot of a uh, lot of kids going to schools and and, and things of that nature because uh, there's a lot of uh, social aspects in which kids need to grow right and and it's just Uh, it is incredibly hard to uh, teach people in like an online environment right so i think like a lot of companies which are more um, working towards uh, making them sharper uh, with respect to analytical skills via uh, games and things of that nature will be very exciting but uh, i think after that when it comes to higher education mm-hmm. i think th- there will be players like those who are basically taking kids who are like developers who are going for their degrees and instead of four years you can have like a two year thing in which they really become you know really good engineers and and you can you know deliver them the basics right and then i feel like there will be these companies who will exist on top of it right like think about engineers who are working at different companies right uh, an engineer at amazon or an engineer at uh, you know sort of some larger companies right who they have been working for for like five years right now in five years tech itself changed right mm-hmm. there are newer things coming up it's harder to keep up with things and and uh, you know like as a developer you're constantly learning but uh, can you learn fast enough right so i think there'll be these education companies who will basically help developers who are already developers to keep up pace with the market right and then that will help mm-hmm. them you know have like a yeah. stable growth in their careers so i think uh, these are like some kinds of companies which will Which, which I feel like are exciting uh, to look at in next ten years, um, which will create like some significant value. Yeah, no, I think uh, to my mind, edtech is probably the biggest business that can ever be because there are so many layers, and especially with longer lifespans and technology changing fast, the need for upskilling will be much much more acutely felt than it ever was. Yes. uh yeah, you know going back 10 15 years what you learned in college yeah. you can sort of pull that pull through with that till a point you get to a managerial position but now in our lifetimes we are already seeing shifts happening very yeah. fast right i mean uh, uh even five years ago the understanding of web3 uh, was just not there and today it's almost going to become integral to every uh, industry uh, in many ways and how do you upskill exactly. so yeah. quickly that you are able to benefit from it absolutely uh, just join pesto yeah. like i yeah like, so i think so good uh, <laughs> like <laughs> just kidding I, i was waiting for the plug uh, uh, <laughs> i heard no i i see so, uh, like you know no, but, especially uh, with uh, with you know uh, believe me like i've seen this and and i'm like more excited about how we can really take this to more people but i think uh, i have seen uh, people friends and companies in us is hiring like Uh, developers for 150 200k 250k just because like you know the the demand for this limited pool is is very high right so think about it like you know it, they, yes they they create a lot of value and and there's a lot of value 
uh, which is you know happening but i think like there is this delta which comes in because of demand supply mismatch right so i'm against this delta right like why don't you just hire people who are you know whatever like yeah. 70 90 100k uh, but working from africa india europe etc and they're just so good like you know so i think like from that perspective uh, i like very highly recommend pesto as a friend to my friends uh just because they can get like a lot of value from it right um so and i feel like you know pesto is just one player in the market i'm sure like there are a lot of people who are going to come up but i'm very bullish on this market as a whole and i feel like there is in, insane amount of value uh which will get unlocked in the next 5 years or so no absolutely i i i believe that too uh i wish we are in the time of intense change right i mean uh, who would have thought 2 uh, years ago you would see such intense digital adoption happening so suddenly yeah. right and today in a sense when world is trying to go back to uh not not exactly pre pandemic but sort of a mix between pre pandemic you're seeing declining uh, uh adoption if you look at a little bit of like order values are shrinking the number of orders uh, on e-commerce are reducing etc so some of those trends are playing out and as a result of this you've also seen a, a significant correction in tech uh, uh, stocks across the world uh, we're seeing 60 to 80% drops in uh, large companies which are listed in the us we're also now for the first time beginning to see massive amount of layoffs which is the sort of huge hiring uh, jump that had happened and now a little bit of that cool off is happening how are you seeing this and also like sort of positioning your students for this that what is is the do they have to accept now lower compensations or do you feel that for high quality talent still there has not been enough change no i think like uh, we have always said this and this is not just now but uh, like 5 months ago 3 months ago i've been writing letters been updating people to really uh, you know mm-hmm. you know keep their heads calm right like uh, i know that the opportunity is there but like you know uh, people were going for um, really quick uh, you know changes in their jobs they were uh, their expectations were bloated and and things of that nature just because you know there was like too much demand so i think like uh, this correction is extremely healthy and and i think people who were always fundamentally driven and were focused on like you know business fundamentals and values um it's it's affecting them a lot less but i think uh, the bubbly nature of the market is gone and and that's great right like i mean uh we love that and and with respect to developers i think um developers like people who know where they are and and good developers often know that right um they know the value which they create right and and i think uh, they are less uh monetarily driven uh, we have most uh, you know sort of often seen this more from like junior developers uh who were trying to start out and and really find a position in the market and honestly like everybody wants to grow in their careers right so i think the market was just rewarding uh you know last one year or so uh which has you know got some correction which is very healthy uh but i think uh, moving forward or even in the current state i think uh, great developers are uh, you know very much in demand they will always be because the world just needs a lot more developers right and if i particularly have to talk about india i feel uh, the opportunity uh is going to arrive again uh you know in next few years because if you really look at the macros uh, people have now realized that okay uh, going to india to open a dev uh, you know office is not a cost cutting objective it's not a cost cutting exercise right the the days of outsourcing is gone 
and and now you're coming to india because that's where developers are i think like yeah. some 24 25% of world's developers right and and we make a lot of babies and we make them all do engineering yeah. right like so so i guess that number is only going to increase <laughs> with time uh so yeah i think like uh, there yeah. are i guess like the the stat i had was there are more than 600 uh, large companies which are trying to open up uh, offices now in india and this time they're coming not for cost cutting reasons but they're coming because that's where good developers are right so i think um from like the market perspective connection is great and it's very healthy to have but for developers who are focused on you know doing high quality work it's just not going to affect them as much yeah no absolutely you know and this is something uh, that we try and do in our interviews is that try and assess for how much impact that the developer wants yeah. to make right and you you almost realize that in the first 5 7 minutes of the Super. conversation i see the best developers actually ask a lot yes. of business questions yeah. that what is the company doing who is the user what are you solving for how yeah. are you different and i get really excited when a engineer asks us yeah. uh, that the second thing which i hope that you know more engineers do see value in is the value of equity right is the value of ownership esops etc and i think on that side there's some bit of education counseling yet to happen uh because you know and to be honest like we can't blame them because in our lifetimes not everyone has seen that kind of value creation happen which probably happened in the valley over the last 15 20 years so you're only hearing from secondary stories you're not hearing from your own network i wish there was more sort of being done to educate them around esops so we are doing some work around that but is 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 are those some of the things that you guys absolutely so in fact like very recently we decided to create like an entire so we do a lot of soft skills for people and really help them understand the business aspects and that is the whole philosophy behind testo right like we basically make product engineers and we have like a 360 degree developer concept in which uh, we basically want that apart from engineering people should also know concepts of design product and business as well right so we do like actual lectures on all these three things and and i think uh, from that perspective we like every single developer for example once they graduate from pesto makes their own designs they build a product they design it by themselves on figma right they don't have to be a designer they they can suck at design right but knowing how figma works functions gives them uh, yeah. you know like makes them empathetic towards their colleagues right um and similarly they design their own prds and and stuff right. like that so you know they will have better empathy with their engineering managers so on and so forth uh, but i think during the program we decided that we should be educating mm-hmm. people about esops not just the the value that the wealth they can create but also the nuances right and i feel that this is missing not just you know from like developers perspective but also like in general i feel like uh, we need to educate people a lot more about equity uh, and because like early on in your career that's how you can generate wealth right um from a longer term perspective and uh, it is of course like a lot more common because you know like liquidity has been there for a long time in in the valley and now it's coming to indian market as well the number of ipos we had last year was crazy uh, so yeah, i'm sure like uh, a lot more people will get to know about these things yeah absolutely so we run this uh, community called the esop dream oh, nice. and uh, the kind of questions that we get yeah. yeah uh, it's it's on telegram and it's uh, it's very active a lot of the questions are yes. now asked and answered by other members so the admins actually don't have to step yes. in that much 
but I think there's a long way to go. And if, if we can all truly realize the value of ESOP, I think uh, the wealth creation opportunity in India is huge. Uh, uh, Ayush, I'll, I'll bring this back to uh, what I started with, which is about yourself. Uh, how is Ayush the developer different from Ayush the founder? Because uh, you've also come a long way in your own journey of uh, running Pesto. Uh, how would you think your thought processes have changed? Uh, or haven't they? Of course, like, it changed massively. I think every year is like, the the Ayush of last year was so stupid. Like, why did he do that? <laughs> like, and, and I think that's great, right? Like, I've always been a fan of uh, compounding and le- these learnings, right? So I think, like, back in the day when, when we would start out, you would really be fearless, right? Like, I think I've always seen that side of me, right? That, okay, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. Let's get it done. I would try to move too fast and things of that nature. But I think with, with time, I've realized that um, innovating and building a product which people want and, and things of that nature is, is one thing, right? Building a great product is one thing. But learning how to build a company yeah. is another thing, right? And both are equally important, right? Equally, yeah. uh, you know, sort of, because of both, like, coming together, you end up building a company which uh, becomes large and, and sustains with time as well. Uh, but these two things are very different. And then, like, the tech right. side of things is, you know, of course, like, very different. But I think, like, that's what I've learned with time, that learning how to build an org, thinking about things like, you know, how do you uh, create the right org chart? How do you push the culture, the right culture in the team? Um, how do you align their objectives and things of that nature? Being a first-time founder, a lot of these things were, like, new to me, right? Like, and I also did not understand the importance of these things. And I think over the years, picking it up slowly, uh, you know, I think you get that maturity as a founder. So I think, yeah, I would really over index on all these things. Uh, you know, if I have to give this advice to a younger Ayush, <laughs> any any person who comes to me for advice, I, I tell the same okay. thing, you know, that don't be in a rush, like try to understand, reduce the unknown unknowns that you have first. And then decide what do you want to do first, right? So I think that's, Correct. yeah, flying in with too many unknown unknowns is asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, Ayush. This was an exciting conversation. Yeah. We are cheering for Ayush, the founder, the developer, <laughs> and for Pesto, for the mission that you guys are on. Uh, we are super excited. Uh, thanks for being on this. Really enjoyed absolutely. this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. And next time, maybe I have so many questions about <laughs> I had about you as well, <laughs> but we'll get to know each other better at some point, uh, I guess. But uh, yeah, lovely. We'll we'll talk more about investing. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk more about investing next time. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ayush. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hosting me. Lovely being here. Take care. We hope you found the insights from this show useful. You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, follow the YouTube channel of Deserve for more insights on personal finance and investing.